It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into episode 128 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Gobi Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? Suspended. I'm suspended. Uh, explain yourself because uh, our our listeners uh, know a little bit about your your coaching expertise and that's part of the the incredible value you bring to this show is that you're a coach on the side um uh tell us a little bit about uh why you're suspended well hopefully no one from the uh certain certain association will be listening but so we had a district game earlier this week that had officials, one was not certified, one literally put his shirt on and came out of the stands for his first ever game, <laughs> which is fine. I didn't complain about missed calls, but in the second half, a, a player on the other team decides to s- just step on top of one of my kids getting up. The video is really bad, isn't it, Jack? Like, it's, it's horrible. It, it, it's horrible. And I come out on the floor to break the fight up during a timeout, and the other, the official gives me a coach's box warning, so I felt like John Calipari for a moment. And I get back in the box, and then the next play, kid wipes my kid out, dirty play in the corner, and then taunts him, wanting him to fight. So I come out again, and then as soon as I'm coming out to try to break the fight up, I get a T, and then I, I said some things to get the second <laughs> one. And, and I got tossed for the first time in my 11-year coaching career. I got ejected. We were down one, but my kids rallied and won by 11. And then they won Tuesday night without me, and they got to win again tonight without me. To, but they got the top seed regardless of what happens tonight. So I'm available at 515 <laughs> on a Thursday because I'm suspended. And, I, the, and the guy that come in and met with me today, he was uh, assistant principal when I was in high school. And I told him, I said, you know, I've only been suspended twice in my life and you've always been the one to have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am just so sorry that uh, you were just wrongfully ac- accused of – of wrongdoing and we're not going to throw any names out there and, and uh, uh, find out if, if these refs have any roofing businesses or anything of that sort. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to keep this thing clean and PG and, uh, and, and we're going to serve this suspension together, Sean, we're going to talk through Kentucky's most recent victory against Mount St. Mary's. Uh, we're going to have a, a bunch of fun doing that. We have a, a major college decision to preview that uh, is one that we've kind of been anticipating for quite some time. And then uh, Coach Cal had a couple quotes today that kind of lead me to believe that uh, a certain somebody could be playing sooner rather than later for the Kentucky Wildcats later this season. So plenty of fun stuff to discuss. Uh, I'm 
again, sorry about your suspension. But let's jump yeah. into the fun uh, of Kentucky's 80-55 to victory over Mount St. Mary's. Sean, this is kind of what we were hoping for. We Kentucky beats beat beats Robert Morris 100 to 60. A lot of really good things, but but something we kind of talked about after that game is is how are they how are they going to be able to sustain this success? Are they going to be able to uh, kind of keep that foot on the gas and, and and kind of keep blowing out teams and build this early momentum and kind of uh, stack one win on top of the other and, and kind of keep moving forward? And Sean, I thought that's exactly what they did. 80 to 55. You get another phenomenal performance from from Oscar Sheboy, another great performance from Xavier Wheeler. Uh, go down the list. Ty Ty Washington finally has his first uh, kind of breakout performance. So I, I thought across the board, it's exactly what you were hope, hoping for following a blowout win, uh, following the home or I guess season opener against Duke. It was 100% everything that they needed to do, and you and and I know a lot. Of, we're talking. We're going to talk a lot about the free throw numbers. This is a team that isn't shooting a lot of free throws, but I think early in that game there was an effort to get Oscar Sheboy going. Uh, the first play of the game goes to him. He make he makes a move, and two the way that they were getting him the ball too, Jack. We we see Cal force the post a lot. There's a lot of mid post elbow looks that they're, that they're giving Oscar Sheboy and I, and we heard Cal after Duke like why are you passing up these shots you're one you're one of the best shooters on the team and we're all sitting there looking at one another like Oscar <laughs> you know Oscar's one of the best shooters on this team that's shooting like forty plus percent from three point range but it, this is why they went to him because I think it's so important to get those shots on film and not only that he'll take them but that he can hit them and he did that. Like he made those things, they're money. And if he adds that to his game and his rebounding, then he's just going to make even more money in the next part of his career. But I, I thought it was really important that they got him going early and then they got those shots on film because now as you go throughout the season, he adds that element to his game. And then if he can work on his post and he can get a little bit quicker in his and in getting into his post moves, the way he rebounds and stuff, I mean, that guy's been a star to this point you're, you're seeing graphics after every single game that Oscar Sheboy is the first in 25 years to do this or he's the first SEC player since so and so you're an elite category through three games with his rebounding yeah I, I, it was funny so I wasn't able to attend the game in person on Tuesday I'm having some some family issues going on but uh so I had to cover it from home but uh I, I joined the the post game press conference uh, via it was the, the the live stream it it came on late and the first thing Cal's talking about was it, it kind of cuts into the uh, quote where where Cal's kind of talking about yeah uh, this player you know he broke he broke the the record that Kyle Wilcher held for the most made attempts in this five minute shooting drill that we do and I'm sitting there thinking oh he's probably talking about Ty Ty or Dante Allen or and he was like yeah when we're we're working to get some shots open for him and really kind of expand his game a little bit and do all that uh, blah 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 yeah so Oscar we're really proud of him and I'm like wait what <laughs> did you just talk about Oscar almost breaking Kyle Wilcher's shooting record at, at Kentucky uh, just really blew my mind how the first Cal talked about this from the start. Uh, you, I, I talked to his one of his trainers this past off season who said, "Dude, I'm telling you that Oscar's jump shot is is real. Like he can actually make these shots." And I'm like, "Yeah, whatever. I've heard this every off season that there's somebody that." Couldn't shoot a lick that just miraculously knows how to make shots. Now get out of here! Like whatever, I I, I'm, I don't believe you. But and then here we are. He they actually show it. It's not just coach speak anymore. We actually saw it with our own two eyes. Sean Oscar Sheboy is a little. He's got a little shooting stroke. 
when he shot the thing against Duke, I'm going, ah, you know, like sitting there like, oh, it's a big possession. And then you find out that Cal's like, you better shoot it. And then you see him hit it and it looks good out of his hands. Uh, the only negative is then he's not the one down there to rebound it in case he does miss it. But if he's going to shoot it, well, you trade that off. And, and like I said, just getting that on tape is a big deal for him. It's, it's on scouting reports. Now it's on, if, if he consistently does it, then it becomes a part of his NBA scouting report at the next level. But man, just the way that he's rebounding. And if he adds that shot to his game, then man, that's, that, that's big time. But there, there's so many things to take away from that game. And, and that's the, my favorite thing about this team right now is, is this time of year we're usually at Kentucky. We're trying to create storylines as media members to write about. And you're not having to create anything with this team. They're creating it for you because they got so many dudes doing their thing. And Ty Washington was a guy that got going from three-point range. He hit two of three. Got him. He hadn't hit a three all season. Got going there. You got Kellen Grady, who I think is going to be Mr. Consistent from behind the arc. Xavier Wheeler doing exactly what I've been wanting to do with limiting turnovers and still getting that high number of assists. I'm going to look really good with my tweet from July that said he'll still lead the league in assists, and everybody going, no, he won't play enough. His efficiency right now is the difference. He is so efficient for Kentucky offensively through three games, yeah. or through the last two for sure. It's Savier, I think, is going to be the bulk of this show because there was a quote from Cal that I think really kind of told a bigger story than I think a lot of people are are kind of leading on. But first, I, I, you, you said that, uh, that every – time you go on social media or, or look on the internet or uh, you, you know you get a post game note segment from from UK athletics about Oscar I just want to go through some of the records that he's broken so far uh, Oscar's 56 rebounds is the most for a wildcat since 1956 and that would be uh, the, the previous high was 52 by Dan Issel uh, in 1967-68 so the record is that's as that's the as far back as the records go. The comprehensive box scores go is 1956-57. So as far as UK is concerned, it's the most by a Wildcat of all time. But the previous high was Dan Issel in 1967-68 with 52. Uh, he hit Julius Randle's double double mark. Uh, he's the first UK player with three straight. Uh, double doubles to start a career since Julius Randle. Uh, he did that with he did seven straight double doubles to open that 2013-14 season. Uh, he joins Nick Richards in the 20 and 15 club. First Wildcat uh, to post 20 points and 15 rebounds since Nick did it in uh, 2017 against Fort Wayne. Uh, also joined Jamal Mashburn in the 24.16 rebound and three block club. Uh, Jamal had 38 points, 19 rebounds, and, th and three blocks against uh, uh, Eastern Kentucky in 1992. So uh, obviously elite company that Sheboy is is in. And, I mean, it's just every single game at this point. He's doing something to break another record or uh, shoot at this point, just put a smile on everybody's face because the dude is just so freaking likable and happy and he's a quote machine. Uh, he may be an actual machine if you ask him, but just uh, awesome, awesome stuff from him. But, Sean. He is Oscar. I am Oscar. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It just, that just and, and he looks up. like it. I mean, it's it's crazy to think. This this looks like a guy that could just kill you with one touch, <laughs> and then you want to hug him when you talk to him. It's just like there's not a more lockable guy in college basketball right now than Oscar Sheboy. There, it, show me someone. No, like, yeah, and they were there's, talking. There's about, not. They were talking about fan favorites today on on KSR, and, and it got me thinking, like, how where will Oscar fit in that? Sean, I don't know if if there's been a more likable player in, I mean, at least the past five years. I mean, it, at least where it's an immediate, like you know, they were talking about the kind of infectious smile that Tyrese Maxey had, and you know, there's there's some of those narratives that were pushed that you almost try to kind of 
force the fan favorite narrative a little bit. But, dude, I'm telling you, Oscar is hands down the most likable, fun-loving, just like you said, you just want to give him a big hug. I haven't seen a more likable dude since – is it Tyler Eulis? Is Tyler the last – big, the bit most the biggest fan favorite? Maybe Tyler Hero uh, to a, a selection of the fan base maybe. I don't know. I, I think Oscar, when, it, when, it, when, when it's all said and done, he's going to be up there for sure. I think, I think the way Nick Richards' career went, I think that junior year you could put him in that mark too just because fans love the underdog, right? And the way his career started, that, that's probably the most feel-good story of Kentucky basketball was was Nick Richards. But as far as what locking and with and everything else, yeah, it, Oscar. The day Oscar leaves, this fan base will be very very sad because like you're not going to find like you just don't find personality, you don't find genuine just caring and is like, what he is like. What he says is what he is. He's always been that way. Ever since he goes back to his high school days and those interviews with you and stuff that you heard with other people, that was the same Oscar Sheboy. The only difference is he's now where he wanted to be. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what leads to the the fan favorite is that he's not doing this for NIL money because he physically can't make money with, with NIL. He's not doing this for uh, even draft stock because really – what is his draft stock going to be unless it's unless he can expand his game the way he's shown with his jump shot? I think that would immediately make him a, a draft pick if this can be a consistent regular thing. But if if you just kind of take him for who he is as an as an elite rebounder and just kind of a cleanup specialist down low, it's not about draft stock for him either. It's not like by coming to Kentucky he's going to become this instant first round pick just because of the exposure. I mean, he was still at West Virginia where he had got a, where he got a, a ton of good exposure. It's like he's here because he's always wanted to be here. He's here for the for the love of the fan base, for the love of the program, for the love of John Calipari, and it's 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 just one of those just wholesome kind of overwhelming moments where you're like, wow, this, this is a kid that, that he's just putting it all on the line every single time he steps on the floor and every time he puts on that jersey. And I think that's, uh, that's what makes this university so special is guys like that, they're able to have those opportunities and, and kind of be you know, put in a spotlight the way Oscar is and he's getting the national praise and recognition that he's always deserved that uh, hasn't necessarily come. So uh, we're, uh, this, is, this is unofficially the uh, – the, uh, we are the presidents of the Oscar Sheboy fan club. Yeah. And you mentioned that this podcast is going to be about Savir Wheeler a lot, and that's probably where we're going to transition to next, but let's talk, let's throw Oscar Sheboy in there with him. And let's just say how impactful the transfer portal was to defining what Kentucky basketball is this season. And it's anchored at the one and the five. Those are the two spots to me that are the most solidified right now. Oscar Sheboy leading the team in minutes. Wow. What? Wow. Like what? Like, did you ever see? Like, would you have thought that through three games? We all we talked about was his foul trouble, and everything, and yeah. and he's on the floor the way he is, and and that's and if he can do that, man, this team's good. But then you throw in Savir Wheeler, all we heard about was the the turnovers, man. Yeah, he's got a lot of assists, but he's going to turn it over, and he did against Duke. But I think that's because they got they got uncomfortable in that second half. When they were trying to win the game, everybody got they got sped up. They didn't really know who they were playing through. Ty Ty wasn't Ty Ty that night, and they just they were in a they just weren't in their rhythm. And I think that kind of played into the seven turnovers. And the last two games, he's got one turnover, and he's very aware of it. Like Cal had the quote after the game. You know, he's he's coming and talk to me. I got one turnover. He knows what Cal wants, and that Cal doesn't want him to turn it over. 
But the transfer portal at point guard and at five have completely redefined what Kentucky basketball is this season, which leads me into this. That's why I don't think that fans should necessarily worry that Kentucky doesn't have a five-man in their class right now because they're going to find someone in the portal that's going to make an impact. Now, it's not probably, probably not going to be a guy that's going to be the Windex cleaner that's going to go out and uh, grab 20 rebounds a game <laughs> on the glass, but it just shows you that that portal can change your outlook on a roster because it has through three games. Yeah, and, and you know, are we going to need – is Oscar going to leave after – if he enjoys his time so much here and his NBA prospects aren't super, super, super high – can is it so wrong to think that he may be back for another year? I, I don't know, and I think it's way too early to have those conversations. But uh, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that that they have kind of and shoot throw Kellen Grady in there, and we probably would be saying the same thing about C.J. Frederick if he didn't have his his season-ending injury. Kellen Grady has been the perfect plug-and-play, fit-into-his-role type guy as well, but obviously it's anchored at the one and at the five, but shoot, I think Kellen has has done just fine in his role as well. But, Sean, you talk about what Cal said after the game uh, on Tuesday, and I think it was the most telling quote, I think, of the night that, that nobody really talked about, and it's the fact that Cal already started talking about this team being player-led, and I think yeah. that's something that kind of took me aback, where it was just kind of like, whoa, Cal usually waits until, uh, I mean, late non-conference play, early conference play, like almost pushing toward postseason, where it's like, hey, if we want this team to be to, to reach the heights that we know it can be, to kind of reach that, that high ceiling that we know this can be, this has to be a player-led group. They can't rely on me to, to kind of babysit them and, and do those things. They need to be able to, to, to lead themselves. And we are three games into the season, Sean, and player-led, player empowerment has already been discussed. And guess who's at the forefront of those conversations? None other than Savir Wheeler. He said that Savir has been the guy that that has been bought up. I got the exact quote pulled up. Um, He said he has totally bought into what I'm saying, totally bought in. I like the fact that I'm able to get on our best players because that means I can coach everybody on this team. Little quotes like that, and I'm trying to find the – he talked about – I had Savir coaching the the guards and pick and roll defense. He coached them. You don't need to be in this drill. They all need the drill. Show them what you're doing. He showed them. Uh, Then he coached them. Then he started coaching the bigs. I said, coach the whole team. That's fine for me. I don't care. We're just trying to grow. So, uh, and then uh, that's when this team begins to be empowered. So, we are three games into the season, Sean, and player empowerment, player led has already been a topic of discussion. If there's any other major takeaway that you can get from this game, I think it's that. And I think it's the fact that Cal has only talked about player empowerment with his best teams since he's been at Kentucky, and he's already thrown that term around. you got to feel optimistic about that if he's already throwing, throwing those types of phrases around. You do. And, you know, going through game notes and stuff, too, I told you this before we recorded, and I can't believe I haven't even written about it until just now. 55 is a magic number. For this team, which goes back to remember me saying this on, I think it was the episode when I was on my way to Nashville and we were talking uh, CJ Frederick's injury. That I think the thing that you want to see this team do is you want to see them become elite defensively as a unit. Uh, I don't think they're going to have the rim protection that they've had in the past. I mean, Oscar Oscar Sheba is going to block a few, Damian Collins is going to block a few, but they don't have that like elite rim protector 
it's going to kind of just erase, but you have really good on-ball defender in Savir Wheeler. You've got some guys with some length that I think can be tenacious and disruptive with their length. But 55 points or fewer, Kentucky's 80-0 and 0 under John Calipari when they've done it 80 times. <laughs> and, I mean, the magic number, I just now wrote my, my story, 55 points is the magic number under John Calipari at Kentucky. When you're 80, it's, it's incredible, 80-0. and 0. Yeah, and, 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 and that's where, if this team can be elite defensively. Now they will have a challenge tomorrow night, though. Ohio received a vote in the AP poll Monday. I don't know if you know that or not. Like that's a, that's a team that's coming to Rupp Arena thinking, "Hey, man, if we win, we're in the top twenty-five on Monday," and, and they are. That's a team hopeful of making the NCAA tournament. They will be tested. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's really telling that, and Cal talked about this. I think today where it's kind of been this kind of trickle effect. The game, the season started and the complaints were, oh, interior defense isn't enough because they let that Kentucky Wesleyan player drop 29 points on them or whatever it was on efficient shooting, and there's really no no way to stop him. Uh, They kind of, Cal said, and then at that point we we kind of put a focus on that and, and kind of, took that away and then the next game against uh, miles college it was they went crazy from deep and the questions were about is the perimeter defense going to be good enough they go back to the drawing board and kind of hit reset on that and they kind of you know go all in on that and cal says and and you know now that issue's gone and he's like and now ever since then the defense has been pretty solid and i think that's kind of something that should definitely leave leave fans definitely optimistic that uh, they've they've been able to address those concerns so early and again the the competition level has not been been great outside of that Duke game but I thought they've showed a lot of really positive things defensively outside of the Paolo matchup and the Trevor Keels matchup Uh, I think they showed a lot of positive things defensively it's just about mismatches and if there's a if how they can avoid mismatches and luckily I don't think there's going to be another bigger mismatch in college basketball than Paolo Bancaro against anybody else. So I don't think they're going to have to deal with something like that uh, again in, in the immediate term and in the long term. So, if, like you said, if they can maintain this kind of elite status defensively and keep building on that, I, I mean, the offense is there. The shooting is there. The, the scoring inside is there. Uh, that's kind of the last remaining piece. If this team can be a game changer uh, on defense – it's really, really hard to poke holes in this roster. It is. And that's the thing that I'm watching over the next few weeks and months is does this team reach that elite level status defensively? And I, and I think that by the time we get into December and we get into January, I think that they have all the tools and the pieces to do that because the thing that I believe is going to help them, I just feel like everyone on this roster is bought in. Uh, you heard Cal say that Xavier is doing exactly what he wants him to do. And you hear what you see what Oscar Shibway is doing. Like he, Cal has convinced Shibway that every rebound is his. Yeah. And then that's all he needs him to do. He doesn't need him to score 20 a game. He doesn't need him to do all these other things. It's just rebound, man. And everybody's going to be talking about you. He's being talked about nationally right now because he's rebounding the basketball, not because he's scoring the basketball. He's got guys on this team that I think. I don't want to say they're elite basketball players. They're not guys that are going to be on NBA all-star teams. That's not this Kentucky roster, but what they have is they have guys that are really good at maybe just one thing, but all those things are different than the other good thing that their, their teammates good at. You put them all together and you got a really good basketball team. And and I think that's where that high ceiling and, and kind of, or I guess high floor 
medium ceiling to maybe high ceiling, depending on on what Damian Collins does and if Ty Ty Washington can, can kind of be that dynamic, you know, standout scorer. But I, I think that's what is different about this team is the fact that they do have those pieces. They have a Savory Wheeler who's who's been around the block in, in the SEC, an all SEC type player. They have Oscar Sheboy who is an all Big Twelve type guy. Uh, Kellen Grady, two thousand point score at the collegiate level before the injury. Uh, C.J. Frederick led the country in three point shooting. Like you go down the list, and, and then you have Keon Brooks. Then you have Lance Ware who came back. Then you have Dante Allen who's done big things on big stages here. It feels like all of those growing pains that you typically see with a, a John Calipari coached Kentucky team, all of those are gone, and they're able to. You, you know, I thought it was kind of telling, and I thought it was it was kind of worrisome that they didn't kind of live up to that moment on the big stage against Duke. But I, I do think down the road, I, I think that's why Cal was so optimistic going into that post game press conference. He almost had that kind of like smirk to him, like, "Man, if we were able to play that well against." That type of team on this type of stage this early, man, the sky's the limit. I, I am starting to buy into that where it's just like I, I really don't know where the flaw is on this team. Like you, there's no – like we said on, on last show, there's not one single player that you go, well, if Kentucky doesn't have him, they're screwed. And I know Oscar's kind of he, – he's close to that guy, but you're getting so much from Cyber Wheel and you're getting so much from, from uh, you know, Kellen Grady and you're getting so much uh, – you can go down the list that you're never going to need just one player to light the, the scoreboard up. Like if Paolo Bancaro is struggling for Duke, they struggled. If uh, Trevor Keels isn't playing all that well, they like, you know, they're struggling. There isn't one of those players on this roster. And I kind of get, read some tweets that they're like that. It's like, well, we still don't know what would happen if, if Oscar got out. We don't know what, what this team is without Oscar. They haven't needed to. And who's to say that we, it, he's not dealing with foul trouble right now. Who's to say that's ever going to come? And, and I, I think we need to start kind of changing that narrative a little bit to what happens when Oscar isn't on the floor to let's embrace who he is when he is on the floor because he's on the floor. Like you said, he's leading the team in minutes, so he's clearly doing something right. And I, I think we need to start kind of changing the narrative with this group where it's not like a, uh, waiting for an all-systems failure if, if Oscar isn't in the lineup or Xavier Wheeler turns, you know, turns the ball over too much. I think there's so many pieces on this roster that – they're going to be able to compensate from for one individual struggles or two individual struggles. That's how well-rounded and deep this roster is. And I think that's why I am, I am infinitely optimistic about this group in the long, in the long run. Well, and, and you were talking about, you know, finding a flaw. I don't know if we'll find that right now. I think we're going to wait until late December, January before if we find out what it is. I still think for this team to get to a title, it needs Ty Washington to be that big game shot maker, that big moment shot maker, a guy that can get his own. Like Kellen Grady seems to be a guy to me that he feeds off of others doing well, and he's going to get looks off of some pin downs and some stagger screens and Xavier Wheeler getting downhill out of ball screen action. That That's where I think Kellen's going to get his. But Kentucky to me needs a guy that can – rise up above somebody and go get a basket. And I still think that's going to be Tata. I do. As this season goes along, he's just too smooth. He, he makes good decisions. It's just about getting comfortable. Uh, what does what do they get out of the four spot? How healthy are they? Is Jacob, Jacob Toppin, to me, is just so important to get him healthy. I know that Lance is banged up as well. It feels like Lance is probably more 
likely to, to be able to play full strength right now than Jacob is, given where, I mean, Cal threw out the word MRI and stuff with Toppin and everything last week. But to me, Jacob Toppin is just a very important piece, Jack, because he can defend one through four. He's athletic, and he has a motor. He has a high motor that can come off that bench. He can start. He can play 30 minutes one game if you need him to be a defensive matchup on Paolo Bancaro or someone else in the SEC. Or he can play 16, 17 minutes a night. Like, though, I think those are where the questions lie. Like, who ends up emerging as the most consistent foreman? Who's their big time? Who's the, who's the guy that they go to? Like, we haven't seen it yet. There's going to be games where there's going to be they're going to be down by two with four minutes to go. Who do they go through? Who do they play through? Those I don't think those are getting answered in November. I've been saying that for weeks now. I think that that's something we'll see in December or an SEC play. Speaking, but those are my questions, if that makes any sense. Speaking of December slash opening uh, SEC play, Sean, I think Coach Cal uh, kind of let the cat out of the bag just a little bit today talking about uh, – he was asked about Shaden Sharp's status and, and whether there's a chance that he plays this season or not. And Cal, uh, you know, he's usually pretty – he he has his flaws in terms of inter, you know talking about injuries and and some things like that. But he's he's been pretty forward about you know if a guy's going to play or if he's uh, you know optimistic about it in one individual or how good a player can be and you know kind of those type of narratives. He's he's usually pretty uh, spot on with stuff like that. Uh, somebody asked him if is there any chance Shaden Sharp plays this season. And he says that there is uh, – I want to get the exact quote up. Um, I don't think so, but we'll see when he gets here. He may not be in any kind of shape to really do it, but we'll see. And I think that talking to Shaden's people and talking to uh, you know other people that kind of know his situation and all that, I think they are very open to the idea of playing, and I think that's something that they've been open from the start. They just kind of didn't want to overstep their boundaries and kind of you know step on anybody's heels that's already on this roster. But, Sean, if John Calipari is already leaving the door open for Shaden to play as of November 18th, why in the world would he close that door after seeing him with his own two eyes in person you know, getting used to the weight, the you know strength and conditioning program, and kind of getting up to speed and conditioning, and and uh, you know getting in shape and all that. I I don't know if there's ever been more of a telltale sign that a dude's going to play than Cal not flat out saying like. It, usually in that that case, Cal would be like, "Nah, we like what we have right now. We're going to keep things rolling the way we do. We're bringing him in just to do uh, what what you know he wants to do, and that's redshirt and kind of." work on his his body and develop for next season and that's what it's going to stay he could have done that but instead he went out of his way to say "Eh, i don't know we'll see i think that's i think that's quite telling that there's a a very very strong possibility that we see shaden sharp play the season yeah and i said this earlier that i think cal had to be careful how he worded it today you don't want to shoot it down but then you don't want to come out and say yeah he's definitely playing because then what message do you send to your current team right I think it needs to be a thing where Shaden comes in and he earns it and he gets that reputation. And look, if he's good enough, Ty Ty and all these other guys are going to look and say, all right, that guy's good enough to play right now. And then it's justified in doing it, if that makes any sense, once he gets on campus. Uh, But yeah, he didn't shoot it down, did he? He goes, he'll give, he gave the we'll see. And if we'll see means that they're at least going to entertain the thought of it. Yeah, I I think that's that's the telling because he did say, I don't think so. 
but it was the double we'll see afterward that at least made you think that – and look, this is a, he's the number one player in the country. Uh, he does things that, uh, fair or not, nobody else on this roster can do. He is a, a long, kind of that Bradley Beal, Malik Monk type just kind of energy bunny scorer that he can score at all three levels and he could go off at any given time. And that's kind of what he did at, at Peach Jam against the best of the best talent in, in high school basketball. And if he's able to do that on that type of stage where, where all eyes are on him, college uh, coaches are in the stands watching him do that, why the heck can he not at least give you 10, 15 minutes at, at Kentucky going into conference play? I – I think that he'll end up playing, and I think it might – I mean, he's not going to step in and be Kentucky's savior going down the stretch, going into March Madness and those things. But I, I think, like we talked about in the last show, when C.J. Frederick went down, I think his 10, 15, 20 minutes opened the door for, A, more minutes for Davion Mintz, B, more minutes for Dante Allen, or at least some semblance of a role for him, and C, absolutely the possibility that that Shaden Sharp can play because there are mil- there are minutes available for the taking and you're telling me that the number one player in America can't take some of those come on now there's there's he's a number one player in America he's he's a potential number one draft pick there there's no reason to sit him out just for the sake of sitting him out if he's capable he's going to play I agree with that, and it's it's at least going to be something that they look at he has an option it's it's the number one player it's it's not the number 15 player coming in. We know if you're the consensus number one player, you certainly have the credentials to warrant a look. And they're going to get it for sure. And you never know. You have another injury at some point this season. Ho- hopefully they don't. It probably magnifies it even even more. But I don't see any negative from Shaden Sharp being on this roster and whether he plays or he doesn't play. I think it's all positives. I really do. Yeah, I, I, one one heck of a crutch to have if if to have you know kind of something to have in your back pocket just in case, kind of a break in case of emergency type deal. Uh, I mean, shoot, you, you can't ask for a better plug and play option than than a guy like Shaden Sharp. So we'll we'll see how that unfolds. I'm under the impression that they're going to at least give it a shot. They're going to see how he. Uh, you know, kind of how he develops, how quickly he can develop, how quick he can get on campus, which is an, a, another thing. Uh, there's a winter set winter session that I uh, think it's like starts December 20th and lasts through January 7th, I think. So uh, there's there's a possibility that we could see him here in the next couple of weeks, uh, depending on how fast he can uh, get kind of his coursework and all that stuff done at, at his high school and just kind of get the enrollment process started. We could see him here in the next couple weeks, and then at that point, all bets are off. I think the earlier we can get him here, the better, uh, and and higher chances that that he ends up playing. All right, Sean, let's wrap up the show with this. Reed Shepard, a player that you know very well, somebody that we've talked about and watched in person several times now uh, and kind of gotten quite excited about his potential addition. He surprises the world and announces (laughs) his commitment date he's going to come off the board on saturday morning at 9 a.m and uh sean one one heck of a way to get that class of 2023 started if he decides to become a kentucky wildcat yeah absolutely i mean it'd be the perfect way to get that started it's a win for john calipari if reed shepherd says kentucky saturday morning because it's your first commitment it's early He's he's a recruit that's five-star status. I mean, it's not like it's just an in-state kid that you're just trying to get some positive PR from the fan base. But, man, like, this is a big deal. And 
look at how Reed announced his commitment announcement. NIL background. You can already see this is going to be a kid that is going to be rolling in money at the University of Kentucky. And you can see it. Like, it, he's already got it figured out. Like, whenever he gets on campus, can you imagine? You think, that like, right now, Ty Ty Washington is a guy that is not from the state of Kentucky. And he is getting NIL, NIL deal after NIL deal. And I'm probably <laughs> going to go to Fazoli's and have the, the Ty Ty special. Like, probably more than once. But imagine what a kid – like Reed Shepard, we have not seen, to me, when it comes to NIL, we've not seen the pairing of what we're about to see. And I'm talking pairing of not only is he an in-state kid, his dad was a Final Four MVP, his mom was a star at Kentucky, they're going to probably be alongside him with some NIL stuff. He's beloved already because of his parents. He commits to Kentucky, even more beloved. You've not seen this type of pairing in NIL anywhere. <laughs> And you and you probably won't. Yeah, I, I think it's it's like you said. It's kind of telling that he's already going through that local or, or orthodontics uh, place for for his uh, kind of setting up the commitment date and the read uh, read between the lines. And it, I, I just think it's so funny how like okay, yes, he has a fantastic relationship with Tony Bennett. Virginia has done a hell of a job recruiting him and, and hats off to them. But, Sean, how much money is Reed Shepard going to make with NIL at Virginia? I mean, maybe some, but not even Local. in the same stratosphere as what he's able to do here in Lexington. You you would have some people locally that would I think would do some stuff with him just because he's a local kid. But it's well, here's the thing, right? You do NIL. NIL is not just about the player. NIL is about how do you help that business? How do you help that partner? And in the state of Kentucky, those London area businesses where he's at right now, right there off I seventy five. Ooh, <laughs> holy cow! Like they're gonna make, uh, they're gonna have a lot of stuff. You're go like to me, what I'm envisioning is the entire I seventy five route to Lexington for me from Millsboro up should be full of Reed Shepherd. Like it should be Reed Shepherd to the right in Berea, Reed Shepherd to the left in Mount Vernon, Reed Shepherd to the right in London, <laughs> all the way through I seventy five. Just go ahead and take it over. Like that, that's what I think it's going to become. Yeah, and on top of the fact that he's a hell of a player and somebody that we saw with our own two eyes last this past summer, and we went, uh, "Yeah, this kid's Kentucky quality." Like I, I thought it was telling. I mean, we, Sean, I, I don't, I, I don't want to. If we're calling a spade a spade, we know basketball talent when we see it. We we're good at at you know having an eye for talent. We can see okay that kid's a a mid major. That kid's maybe a. a a high low major or uh this kid's a high high major or this kid's a blue blood like there's we can differentiate those kind of tiers and know which which kind of kid is which and there was some talk is this kid uh, you know Clemson quality or Liberty quality or is you know is he you know one of those type of schools or is he Kentucky quality is he Virginia quality and we saw him one time and the first game we saw, we said, yeah, this kid's made for Kentucky. There's no way, no doubt in my mind that this kid is absolutely ready for a place like Kentucky. He could thrive there. Uh, he does so many things well, and he's not. he may not be, like, great at any one thing, 
but he does so many things very, very, very well. He's a he's a very solid shooter, great you know kind of facilitator and playmaker, and his court vision is strong. And he's a hell of a rebounder for his size, and uh, he's athletic as hell. And like I mean, you just go down the list. There's a lot of things that he does to the ta- brings to the table that uh, very clearly fit in at the, at the blue blood level and at a place like Kentucky, especially. This is not. A, a thing, you know, if he decides to ultimately commit to Kentucky, this is not because of the name on the back of his jersey, uh, you know, doing that. It's because John Calipari saw him with his own two eyes and said, that kid is made for Kentucky. That kid is is able and capable at, at this school. And uh, I, I think fans should go in with that. Don't don't hype him up because he's Jeff Shepard's son. Hype him up because he's a damn good basketball player. He is. Yes, exactly. And, and here's the big thing as we wrap up is – this is big for Reed because he's not – here's the deal. Look, he's not committing to Virginia or anywhere else because it would be the dumbest thing he's ever done because he still <laughs> has two years to play high school basketball in the state of Kentucky. Like, yeah. no. Reed Shepard will now, wherever he goes, if he goes to Clay County, if he goes to Lexington, if he goes to anywhere, Somerset, regardless of where they play, it's not going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be – that's Kentucky basketball commitment, Reed Shepard walking in the gym. He's going to be loved everywhere he goes. He's going to sign more autographs than anything and than anyone in this state probably ever has as a high school player. I, I think it's going to be – it's going to be crazy. And I think – we knew this recruitment. We actually predicted this recruitment to be kind of off the rails, right? Yeah. It, it hasn't been because Kentucky got involved early. He was the fourth player to get an offer. It's not like he's the 15th player. Like, oh, okay, now we we see we have room. No, they made room for him. They prioritized him early. And I think it's going to be even more of a circus around the state now that if if he commits on Saturday because then he gets two full years of high school basketball as a Kentucky basketball commit. And here's the thing for me, and I'm, I'm being selfish here. Eastern Kentucky benefits so much from this. John Calipari is going to be walking into the 606 area code not to sign autographs or go to a book signing or anything else like he did early on in his time at Kentucky. He's coming in to watch a talent that's going to be playing at Rupp Arena. That is a big deal for this part of the state because I will tell you, there, there's passionate fans all over this place, but the people in eastern Kentucky are the people that when you pull up their entire calendar, they can tell you what's going on on Saturday because Kentucky basketball plays. They can tell you what's going on on Monday night because they know Kentucky plays on Tuesday. That is what you're getting in this part of state. And for this type of area to have that type of talent, and not just a kid going to Kentucky, but a five-star kid, it is special. If he ends up coming to Kentucky, it's a special day. I you that, I couldn't say it any better myself. That was absolutely beautiful. And uh, you will be there in person to go see it. I, I unfortunately the only thing that'll suck is if he doesn't go to Kentucky, then I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Retract everything I said. <laughs> then it's not that big of a loss. No big deal. We'll move on. No, it's. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate that. I think Kentucky fans will be welcomed with very positive and uplifting and happy and joyous news to uh, start their day on Saturday. And we'll be along for the ride. We'll do our, our typical mm-hmm. uh, commitment show. I won't be able to be there in person the way Sean is. Sean will be there to cover it. So uh, be sure to follow his feed. And, and Sean, why don't we get out of here and you tell us where well, to find that? Well, I mean, and we're talking about Reed. We're just reading between the lines, right? 
<laughs> oh no oh goodness no you can follow my work at gobigbluecountry.com and then you can follow me on twitter at gbb country you can find me on twitter at jack pilgrim ksr reach, reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com with that we'll be back here well we just say tomorrow for another jam-packed sources say podcast we will see you next.